Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to the Prospects Half Hour for the Plaza Podcast. I am Ben Chase, and I'm going to be flying solo here to start things off. Uh, and you can find me, as it says on the screen there, at Big Gentle Ben on Twitter X, whatever it's called anymore. Uh, our main thing this week we're going to talk about is. The stud that is known as Ethan Salas, uh, catcher with the San Diego Padres system. Uh, he is having a heck of a first year, uh, just to put it bluntly. I mean, the guy's, he's, he's 17 years old and has nine home runs in full season ball. Uh, he's shown excellent dis- discipline at the plate. So far, he's walking more than 10%. He's not even striking out. Uh, a terrible amount at a young age. And the best part is probably his best best feature is that he he's an amazing defender. Uh, so far, the caught stealing rate has not been exactly what you would like, uh, but he's he blocks very well. Uh, moves tremendously well behind the plate. I've had a chance to watch him a couple of times on video, and he's just tremendously athletic behind the plate. It's really it's evident to watch, um, and frankly, you can see it in his offensive t- statistics just how athletic he is. He's stolen five bases and has two triples already. So, I pop this up here. Oh, everyone be sad. Oh, well, you might just have to put up with me the whole time here today. So, Ethan Salas, he just, it just came out, uh, Pipeline this week, MLE Pipeline released their updated uh, rankings, and Ethan Salas falls into the top five at number five for a guy who is 17 years old. That's pretty ridiculous. Uh, so, Salas, tremendous get. Right now, I, I put out in a piece this last week that I really think it's – he is a guy who, if you are in any level of Dynasty League, he should be owned. And that is 
that is pretty darn rare for a frankly for a teenage catcher whether it's draft or latin but especially a latin signee catcher to get this kind of notice i compared basically the best comparison i can think of is when francisco alvarez was coming up the met system uh he was uh he was doing big time stuff and that was really fun to watch um but he just this is so much younger it's at a higher level all these different things you just you have to really enjoy what ethan salas is doing so um let me get back here da, da, da. I'm trying to do this on, on my solo here <laughs> uh Chad mentions Cartaya had this kind of notice at first, but even then he was fringe top 100, and that is true. Um, he, hey, hey, Mike, how the heck are you? What's up, man? I didn't want to let, let you fly solo, man. We got we to gotta co-ride this thing. <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you for hopping on. Yeah, uh, dude, absolutely. Uh, Diego Cartaya is, of the Dodgers is who Chad is talking about here. and Yeah, when he was a, a teenage prospect – he did some really fun things and especially defensively, but the offense was never like this. That's the whole thing is this is a 17 year old who's crushing baseballs and he's already been promoted to high a that's, that's just ridiculous to consider. And so if you're like that, if you're in any type of dynasty league, that he should be owned at this point. And I would almost wager with pipeline coming out, putting him in the top five, that's going to happen. That's going to happen for your league. So, um, and someone else mentioned Pudge Rodriguez. I, well, <laughs> I, I, I will always hate to put on a tag on any teenager of a hall of fame player, but let's just say those are the skills that he has. You know, Pudge was well known for the fact that he could hit 30 bombs and steal 20 bases and be one of the most elite defensive catchers in the game when he was around. That's what you're how, looking at as a complete ceiling here. And it's crazy so, how good he how good he's been at such a young, young age. Oh yeah. That you know, it, so like to think that he could get better from this is absolutely insane to me. And defensively, you started to hear it in spring. You started to hear guys like you, Darvish, talk about, hey, I threw everything I had at him, and he didn't flinch. And if you know you, Darvish, you, Darvish, like, slims down his pitch mix every game. He has about eight pitches he can use, and he usually slims it down to about four for every game that he and the catcher work on and say, this is going to work best against this lineup. He was throwing everything at Ethan Salas, and one of the best pitchers in the league that gets all kinds of goofy movement on his pitches – and he said Salas was just a pro behind the plate handle and all that. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, I I just, that's, you know, and, and actually this is, Chad just mentioned this, so I had to highlight it. That's, if you're talking about a guy who has holy cow expectations at a teenage, or as a teenager, yeah, that's really the last guy who's been this high at this age is Wander Franco. And even then, we kind of knew Wander was really a hit over everything guy. 
He wasn't going to yeah. be probably a 30 home run guy. He probably wasn't going to be a 20 stolen base guy. But he's going to be a guy who would hit 300 a lot and play a pretty right. good shortstop, all that stuff. That's the thing is I think there's upside for the bat. I watch him swing, and he's hitting like 260, 265 right now, uh, Salas is. I really think there's upside there. Watching his swing, he's so fast through the zone. And I just, honestly, I think he's a teenager dealing with 22 and 23-year-old men throwing him the ball. And he's adjusting to that. And that's the crazy thing is he'll have two or three every night where it just sounds different off his bat than anybody else the rest of the game. It's, you know, he's, that's always the thing. And someone made the comment that uh, Buck O'Neill, when he was, you know, before he had passed, he talked about how there were there were three people who had the sound off the bat that he just it made him turn around. The first one was Josh Gibson. The next one was Hank Aaron. And then the third one that he mentioned was Bo Jackson. And, you know, there's just there's a special sound off the bat. And you know that, holy cow, this guy is putting a charge into the ball. And that's the sound you hear a lot with Salas. So that's the guy yeah. I, want, I wanted to start off with for sure. I'm excited about him, man. I yeah. I'm, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, the fact that he's so young and he, that he has a chance to even get better both offensively and defensively, I wonder if he plays behind the plate his entire career, though. You know, like I know he's I know he's good yeah. defensively too, but who knows if they try to transition him to maybe a corner spot, like first or third or something like that, to kind of save his legs. But and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that, Ben. And. I will say basically the same thing I said with Francisco Alvarez is we'll see in the next couple of years, we're going to see, I still think Alvarez eventually they're going to, if there was not a Pete Alonzo in New York, I think Francisco Alvarez would already be playing some first. Um, And if they had, frankly, one of the things that I do see Alvarez likely moving some and why I thought that that was a likely thing He's behind him in the Mets system are some really stinking good catchers. And it would not surprise me at all if you move up. I mean, Kevin Prada is a hit first catcher, but if you get two hit first catchers and they can do enough behind the plate, Mike Piazza had a really nice career being a pretty meh defender, mm-hmm. you know, but he hit enough to get over it. And that's being so, nice too. I thought Piazza was below average as a catcher. Um, oh yeah, but hit yeah, the crap I mean, out of the ball. Oh yeah, and that's just it. If if you can if you can provide that much offense, and just be okay behind the plate. But the big thing is how you relate to your pitchers, because that was the thing. Man, Piazza was a brilliant guy with his pitchers, oh, and yeah. so I mean, people would jump through walls with him. I do believe that's what you need to watch. And Alvarez's path is probably something to keep note of with Salas too. Learning how to catch guys in double A takes some time. William Contreras of the Brewers, you know, one of the better power bats we've had come through the minor leagues behind the plate recently from Latin America, that is. He got to double A and for his first about half of a year in double A, wasn't hitting the broadside of a barn, but he was going to every, every single chance he had to be in a, bullpen working with a pitcher to be anywhere he could be working on his catching skills and that was the priority 
Right. And then once he kind of got comfortable in the catching end of things, it, you know, the bat just took off. And right. that I, I would say, don't be surprised if there is some of that up and down in the performance of the bat along the way, just because of the position he plays. He's a catcher. It's going to, there's going to be some of that along his development path. 100% so. agree with you too. And we, we talked about this on the main show as well was just really any rookie or prospect that comes up is, you know, a lot of, and I've mentioned this, I will continue to say this until I'm blue in the face. And Ben, I'm sure you'll probably share my, my, the same thought process here, but you know, when these guys come up these, that are, that are, you know, your Ellie's, your Julio Rodriguez, mm-hmm. your Juan Soto's, right. These guys are the anomalies. They're not, they're not people to you yeah. know treat every prospect like, right. So, Everybody, I think we've gotten spoiled with these guys over the years uh, because they've been so good so quick. And it's important to remember what these guys, when Ethan Salas gets the call, when, you know, um, Cartaya gets the call, whoever we're talking about, all of these guys are going to take some time and there's going to be learning curves and there's going to be ups and downs. We've already seen it a lot yeah. this year, right? So um, even Ellie's struggling, struggling right now. So nobody is immune to it. And I think, you know, again, when we get these these type of players that come up and that are so good so quick, um, mm-hmm. every, everybody treats prospects like that moving forward, especially with the incentive to bring these guys up. Hey, do I have the next Juan Soto? Do I have the next Julio Rodriguez? Whatever yeah. it may be. And that's a big part of that. We saw just a couple years back, Manny Machado and uh, Bryce Harper hit free agency at like 27 years old. Right. Big reason why is both of them were so good. Their team said, we just, there's no reason for us to keep these guys down anymore. You know, but that path hasn't been straight for either one of them either. They both had some up and down years as a major leaguer too. You know, yep. I'm thinking a guy this year who's had just an amazing first pro year, Jackson Holiday, very feasibly could be up next year. Hell, he could break camp next year yeah. with the Orioles. Yep. But if anyone thinks that Jackson Holiday day one in the major leagues is through the whole rest of his first year, and the rest of his career is going to hit the way he's hitting the minors. That's not the way it works. No, he's going to have ups and downs and ebbs and flows. You know, a guy like Austin Riley came up, hit something like ten home runs in his first thirty games in the majors, and then didn't hit ten the rest of that year. I mean, he yep. just pitchers adjusted, and he was crap for the rest of that year. Yep. But he's come back, and he's turned him. I mean, he's worked, and he goes through slumps every year, but he works hard through them, and he he's a pretty consistent. If you're a roto guy, Riley's a really good play because by the end of the year, you know you're going to have a decent average, 30 homers, and probably 100 RBIs every single year out of your third base position. That's pretty nice to have. Yeah, So, and when you add in all the things that we just talked about in terms of the ebbs and flows, and then you add in the just the exhaustion it takes to play the catcher position, Yeah, that's just another layer on top of things. I mean, we've seen Alvarez hit and hit well, relatively in terms of the power department, but he's going to go through some slumps this year and next and the years moving forward because of the position that he plays and how taxing that is. So, um, Ben, wanted to move on. Um, I want to talk about, I know you guys probably had this in the show notes, Jamie brings up Lawrence Butler, and I don't know about you, but I've been really excited about a lot of these uh, A's prospects coming up, Zach Geloff, and then obviously Lawrence Butler getting a call. Because they suck so bad, it's been great to (laughs) see some of these guys come up and play. So interested to hear your take on Lawrence Butler. Should guys be rushing to the waiver wire to go get him? That I would probably say not so much, but it's not a knock at all on Butler. It's just that Butler's the type of guy over a course of a full season – 
you're going to really like having him in Roto. He's going to hit for good average. He's going to get you 15 steals. He's going to get you 15 home runs. And there's some upside for more. I do not think he's probably going to be the guy that's going to come out. And, you know, we've we've had some discussions of a guy who pulls off a Reese Hoskins or Narcides Aquino the rest of the year. That mm-hmm. isn't him. That, that is not Lawrence Butler. What I will tell you, though, he won the the sportsmanship best person award or whatever they call it in the Arizona fall league last year. And it was extremely warranted. He is about the nicest guy on the field that you could ever meet. And because of that, I would almost guarantee that his teammates are going to want him to stick around. His teammates are going to want to keep pushing him. He's going to be one of those guys that if he says, Hey, Coach, I'd, I'd like to steal more bases. He's going to have guys in the dugout who go, yeah, coach, send him more, you know, because <laughs> right. he's that kind of a guy. And so it's one of those where I always, the guy who I compare that to, you know, being a Braves guy that I know well is Ozzie Albies. There is not very many pe- better teammates than Ozzie Albies. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, if when they were having some struggles getting the offense going at the start of the year, I'll be said, hey, I like hitting second. Can I go back up to second, please? They moved him up to second in the order right behind Acuna, and the whole offense has just basically been friggin' bonkers ever since. Everyone started hitting from top to bottom. Yeah, it just it set the lineup in its spot. Um, But I do really like Butler, especially, like I said, especially as a roto. I'm not sure – you know, he doesn't strike out a ton, so he's not going to hurt you in points. But he's not that guy that's going to get 40 doubles either. So, I mean, you know, the, the guys in points that don't hit a ton of home runs or steal a ton of bases, the guys that you like a lot in that format are the guys that can get you a lot of other extra base hits. That's really not his game either. But he's just – he's a consistent guy that's going to come out play well. Um, I don't know if he's a long-term first baseman or corner outfield. His arm is – average to a little above average um and you know he's he's a big guy six three and yeah you know he's two two and a quarter right in that range so he's got a good frame to to sit at uh first base but i don't i really i think he's gonna be one of those guys that's easy to cheer for for sure and you know if you want to think maybe like um like seth brown with a little better average as far as maybe what your your production might be for the rest of the year and and that's not a, a knock on on either one of them it's that's yeah. a very useful fifth outfielder it's a very useful 100%. corner infield guy so do you think that where do you think that he where do you where do you think he settles in in terms of his spot in the lineup this year and then what if it's what's his spot in the lineup projection like long term like where do you see him as a, a lineup guy do you see him as a top half bottom half kind of middle of the order i I guess if you want to go in traditional lineup roles, a two or a seven hitter would be perfect for him because he's that kind of guy that he gets on. He doesn't strike out a ton. He puts a lot of balls into play, has enough power to where he's going to get some, you know, knock some out, but he's going to be, he's going to be a guy and he can run some. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a great guy to have in that two spot. It's also a great guy to have in the seven spot to kind of start the turnover of your lineup at the bottom side. So, right. You know, that's that's usually been the traditional roles of those guys. 
major league lineups anymore. It's just kind of, we need to shuffle in. We need to get, we know our top four guys are going to get the most plate appearances. We want to get the best four up there. And then after that, we'll figure it out. And honestly, that's kind of the way most lineups are set up anymore. Your ninth hole hitter isn't necessarily the, the speedy guy that'll set up the top of the lineup like it used to be. Um, some teams have that. I mean, Michael Harris for the Braves is kind of a perfect example. I, mean, I was just going to say it. that, yeah. I, I bring in another Braves example, but, <laughs> I mean, it is a really good example. He's He has been hit on fire for about three months and been a good guy that probably should move up in most lineups. But having him at the bottom there, he turns things over, and a lot of times he's on base ahead of Acuna, and that's huge for Ronald. So I was just getting, I was just getting ready to say that, especially in the Braves sense – having a guy like Michael Harris continue to bat ninth just gives them such a leverage over a lot of different teams that don't have that. Right. So, and then when you, when you, if he gets on base, you got guys like Acuna, Albies, Riley, Olsen, all of these guys trying to knock him in. And he's even producing at the lower half of the lineup anyways, with home runs, power, I mean, uh, RBIs, hits, steals. I mean, the whole nine yards. I mean, so um, I, I think that's a real advantage for them moving forward for the rest of the season, but also come playoff time, I wouldn't touch him, especially if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, he's been playing a lot better recently. I know he started off yeah. a little sluggish. And I'm pretty sure injuries had something to do with that, but man, has he been good hitting out of that nine hole. This is the Palazzo podcast up next after the break. Ben reveals his top 1,000 Atlanta Brave prospects in order. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's good to hear that, that Butler's going to be in that 2-7 that role, um, maybe in that I, part of the lineup. And things obviously can change, but... Yeah, and, and yes, Butler would be picked ahead of Tim Anderson for dodgeball, so, you know, <laughs> that was a question. <laughs> um, but the one thing, the other thing I'll bring up regarding, as you mentioned, all of these A's prospects that are coming up, for us as fantasy owners, it screws the A's. It screws the A's because next year, I don't know that Butler was going to be a top 100 prospect, but Geloff for sure as heck was. You know, uh, Soderstrom sure as heck was. Mm -hmm. And these guys are all going to blow their rookie eligibility here by the end of the year. It's it's the same thing the Braves did with Von Grissom last year, another Braves Mm -hmm. example. But, I mean, it's a guy who he's going to end up blowing his rookie eligibility, but the team saw a lot to know what they have going into next year. Um, Right. And Oakland is going to know going into next year what they have in these guys to some degree. It's not the, you know, Mike Trout came up and gave a month and looked terrible, and suddenly people were ranked – ranked him third in that year's uh, prospect list, even though he was, people said he was the best prospect in the game. And that's with Bryce Harper is the other guy. Well, and, and Matt Moore, Matt Moore, sad Panda, but you know, um, but that was, I, it's not going to be that short of an audition to where we can have an overreaction theater sort of thing. It's going to be, he's going to, these guys are going to get two solid months and, 
to see what they are, who they are. And there's a very good chance that Oakland's running out a whole lot of guys next year that are, have less than a year's worth of service time, right. which is great for their budget. Um, <laughs> but probably, but the great part for us as fantasy owners is we're going to get a good chance to see what these guys are over the next two yeah. months. And so we'll know what we're drafting as we go into next year, rather than like, you know, that you just don't know when a guy has a month and then he's going to come up and be a starter. You just don't really know for sure what, what he is. Um, so one other guy, and this is the guy that I know Mike had originally, uh, Govia had originally put up for the big like highlight prospect on our, on our YouTube show. So we should definitely make sure we chat about him. Um, and that is Weston Wilson. And this is, this is a profile that I, I like in, in baseball, but what I'll warn you of all of you in fantasy that are jumping out to grab Weston Wilson after he's in his first two games, he's like, he's walked three times, three or four times and he's powered out a home run. Looked pretty darn good. I think he might even stolen a base too. He did. But, yeah. But so he's looked really good in, in a couple of games. And uh, I guess I haven't even looked what position they had him play in the majors. Um, but he's been kind of all over this year. I think if I right looked it was okay because yeah. he is uh he's been playing short this year he's absolutely not a shortstop but they don't have a shortstop at that level in the philly system and so he just kind of got it by default because his i think the second i looked this up earlier the second most uh appearances he's had at a position is first base so it kind of tells you the guys played every position defensively this year and his two most popular are probably your toughest defensive position beyond catcher, that is. Yep. And then first base, your least difficult position. So kind of tells you his defensive quality. But this this reminds me a lot of David Schneider coming up. And everyone was jumping all over that, that, oh, he's going to be the next big thing, yada, yada. Good, good comparison. It's it's a fun story. It, it really yeah. is. I, I love watching these guys that come up and succeed every now and then you get a Jared Walsh who comes up and he has two or three good years after being a late blooming prospect or Mike Yastrzemski. That's another one who came up when he was like 27 and still had some, some solid years. But typically if a guy is still in the minors at 28, 27 years old, there's a reason. And, and, right. and you hate to say, you know, they have no chance because they do. They're very, he, you know, Wilson could definitely come up and he's got some power. He's got some speed. He could definitely offer you a little something rest of the way if there's a spot for him. Right. Yeah. And they had him in right field against the Nats. I want to say it was either last night or the night before that he dropped a routine fly ball. Um, it was just brutal. And that was the play before that. The ball hit the first, hit the bag on first base right in front of Bryce Harper, his little squiver. Um and he ended up getting on base. And then after that, the fly ball happened. So I don't know if they like him a lot in the outfield long-term. So, I mean, we're, it's really going to be about where you play this guy. Cause it's clear. They don't want Harper in the outfield, obviously. Right. But where do you play him? Yeah. If, and, and I'll be honest too, Ben, I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about, um, about Wilson, but like, do you see him slotting in as an outfielder long-term? Like, are they, are they just saying, Hey, oh, we just want to get no. him in the lineup. Yeah. I didn't I, think so. Yeah. No, I, I mean, his instincts out there are just not good. I mean, just bluntly, he's he's got enough yeah. speed to make up for it, 
especially at the minor league level, but you saw mm-hmm. already in the major league level when that first two or three steps aren't correct. There's just nothing else you can do. I mean, there's right. You watch some of the best center fielders in the game. I mean, granted center versus right, but still some of the best center fielders in the game get the perfect first step, go all out and they still miss a lot of catches. You know, that Wilson is the other big one that I wanted to mention. Really. I don't have a ton of other. I had one for you actually real quick. Okay. And I want to get your thoughts on um, is Henry Ramos for the Reds got called up today. Nick Senzel was an option. Mm. So wanted to get your take on him. Um, obviously the Reds exciting team, right? Build that whole system is filled with fun prospects. Um, do you have any interest in him um, this year moving forward? Or is it just somebody, somebody, somebody they're going to play kind of as a, you know, a short side of a platoon or something like that, kind of like Senzel's position? That's kind of where I'm at with it, but what I yeah. like and, and uh, Ramos, I believe. Yeah. It was just, I pulled up his BRF page. Um, he's the brother of Elio Ramos. And, you know, one of my, I loved Elio coming out of the draft and he just hasn't developed the way that I would hope he would. But the thing is, Henry's probably more of a balanced player. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother was huge power, huge arm in right field, that kind of perfect right field profile. But I don't know that uh, I don't know that that's exactly who Henry is. Henry's going to give you Henry's a pretty solid overall defender, but not like got the arm anywhere there that his brother does. Right. He's going to hit for some power, some speed. Not great at either. I mean, quite frankly, what did you get out of TJ Friedel? Because it's probably not a whole lot different than from what you're going to get from Henry Ramos. Um, they kind of have a lot of guys like that in their system right now at the very top end for outfielders. And they're kind of hoping to build up some, some, you know, as much as they've got Ellie and they've got McLean and they've got these other guys that are just elite and they play the infield. They're kind of wanting to build up some outfielders of that accord. And that's why you're right. seeing someone like Spencer, uh, if I can say the word yeah. Spencer steer. If the words would not trip over my mouth when he he's playing some outfield and that's, he's learning out there on the fly because they want his bad in the lineup. And that's kind of, I think that's going to be what they end up having to do with this glut of infield that they have. I mean, guys like Marte are still down in the minors. They, I mean, they have some really good minor league hitters that are still coming and really need to, they've been playing the left side of the infield. So, I mean, shortstop, third base, there's only two of those positions. <laughs> you can right. only have two of those guys on the field at a time in those positions. And so, it's so funny too, because we talked about it on the show, main show too, is, you know, with McLean, Ellie, Steer. And even when we were talking about what, when Christian Encarnacion Strand got called up, oh yeah, the, 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 the thing with him was never talent. I mean, we all knew how good no. he was in the minors. There's literally just wasn't a spot for him on the roster to play. And I know he was yeah. working some time in the minors, playing in the outfield, playing some first, they could DH him. Votto was coming back. So, you know, at the same time, I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of these guys, too, that they they, they, they know they have a good infield depth. Not to mention, too, they still have Novelli Marte yeah. sitting down in the, in the minor. So, like, where does he play? I'm going to be interested to see what they do in the offseason and seeing if they may be able to move some of these guys, maybe for a pitcher or something along those lines. I know that was rumored, um, especially with India now out. I think that helps things a little bit. But where do you see the Reds long-term moving forward with, the, like you had mentioned, this plethora of, of infield prospects? Well, I think a lot of this really rests on what they think of their own internal pitching 
prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Andrew Abbott's had a nice start to his career. I don't know that he's that guy going forward that he's been Agreed. so far. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be an excellent strikeout guy, but I, I've mentioned I've mentioned comparisons for him because, you know, it kind of works because he's a curveball guy, but to Burt Blylevin. Blylevin, when he was a major league pitcher, he's he's still, I believe, like sixth all-time in, in strikeouts. For those of us who grew up in the late 80s, it was Nolan Ryan, Steve Carlton, and then Burt Blylevin. And people forget that that was number three on the strikeout list for a long, long time. Um, right. But he got a lot of strikeouts, but he also had seasons where he gave up 50 home runs, you know, because he just, he had a a really nasty curveball, but you can only throw that curve so often. And every now and then it just doesn't break. It just doesn't snap the way that it should. And it's just a hanging changeup is really all it is. And guys just tee off on it. Um, So I I think you're probably looking more like that, which that's still a solid mid-rotation guy. So right. Abbott might oh, yeah, sit into sure. that. It, anyone who's thinking he's might be their future ace, I don't think that's his role. Um, no. But I love Rhett Lauder. I really think he is a workhorse type of guy. Um, I compared him a lot to uh, just his mentality and his way he goes about things to Brad Radke when he was with the Twins. Oh, interesting it, comparison, yeah. People, I mean, I don't think they're anything alike as far as pitchers, but I think he's the type of guy that he could be your number one with a stud behind him at number two, the way that Radke was number one when Johan was actually the best Twins pitcher at the time. Because Radke was going to go out and he was going to give you six every single time. And he might give, frankly, usually with him, if you didn't get him in the first, you weren't going to get him. And Lauder is very similar to that. If you don't get him early, he settles into a routine and he is tough to get until his arm just gets tired. And so I I think that he's going to be a fun one to watch. I, I like Connor Phillips, but again, there's a more of a mid rotation guy there than an elite starter. They've got some nice arms that are fairly close and they're going to be able to move them quickly through their system. The big question is going to be then how comfortable are you with that? you know, going heavy youth in your rotation, being your plan for the next few years, or do you want to go out and acquire a solid starter? And well, it's, it's weird it's, too, because like the, the Reds and the Orioles are almost very similar. And I'm an o- Orioles fan yeah. uh, in terms of just all of these guys that they got infield prospects that they could move for solid arm pieces. I think it really is going to come down to the health. And then obviously how they view guys like Nick Nadolo, Nick Lodolo, and then also Hunter yeah. Green moving forward. Are they looking at those two guys as their solid one-two guys? Um, I know Hunter Green got a lot of hype coming out, and uh, and rightfully so. Same thing with Nick Lodolo. He pitched well last season, not so much this year. but And I know he's coming back. But you know, I, I, I got to think, I mean, some of these guys that are sitting down in the minors, even fully healthy with India there, you know, Votto's probably on his way out, so that kind of opens things up for CES. But um, I'm wondering if they move some of these guys to try to get more of a veteran arm in that rotation. I don't know how many people are going to want to go play there free agency wise. So, you know, yeah, because, because of the ballpark. I, it sounds like they were pretty heavy looking toward arms, but they, it, folks wanted the top of their system. And sometimes that ends up being kind of your curse is you might hit things a little early. You might hit your stride as a team a little early and then what do you do when 
all of a sudden you're you're winning. You kind of weren't expecting to win for maybe another year or even two, and you're winning now. And you have all these prospects that you could use in trades. Teams look at that and go, oh, well, if you want my pitcher, I want your Marte. I want your Cam Collier. I want your, you know, and you're talking about guys who are, there's a good chance that the Reds end up with seven, eight top 100 guys this year. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the issue is you're talking about pretty elite prospects. They're not just going to give those away for a rental of a Lance Lynn. That's just not happening. But that's nope. from what was understood, the Orioles and the Reds both were hearing that kind of a response from teams on rentals. And right. it makes sense. You know, you have an abundance. Give me some of your abundance for this picture that you desperately want. Except that <laughs> if I'm a smart GM, I'm not giving up, you know, Noelle Marte in order to get Lance Lynn for half a season. That just nope. no way. I totally agree with you. Um, hey, Ben, I, I love the show, man. I love jumping on. This was cool. I'm actually glad Govier didn't show up so I can come up here and talk prospects with you. I could literally <laughs> do this for hours. So, um, But we got to wrap up here. We're going to be hopping on the main show here coming up. Um, for those of you guys watching, stay tuned. It'll be myself, um, Michael Govier, and Britton Allen. Make sure you guys uh, tune into that show. Ben, want to thank you for your time, your mind. Yep. You're one of the best prospect dudes in the entire, entire fantasy baseball space, man. So I always list, love listening to you talk. And uh, if you guys have questions for Ben, want to know more about prospects, hit him up, Big Gentle Ben on, t on Twitter, aka X, um, or myself, MKB Fantasy on Twitter. But yep. uh, for myself and Ben, thank you guys very much. Ben, any last words before we head off? Big guest next week. We have Carlos Calazo from Baseball America coming on to talk the draft. Ooh. And so cool. we're going to have a chance to get into some draft stuff with him. And, and I'm really excited. So, and then we got another big one that isn't quite confirmed for what day but coming up still this month and so um we got it we're gonna have some fun here in the next couple of months or a couple of weeks with our guests so uh but looking forward to carlos next week and so come come one come all bring your draft questions so Sweet, man. i'm excited i'm definitely tuning in thanks for your time man i appreciate it yeah. and uh we'll see you thanks see for hopping week. on yeah dude absolutely all, all right. right everybody peace peace Power a person trade everything for a king wonder franco is your one true love for a prospect you'll trade all the Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.